as a highly sensitive person, you are going to get overwhelmed because we process information very deeply. We tend to have a very easily triggered nervous system. We tend to be very empathic and we notice a lot of subtleties and we can get so wrapped up in the outside world, right? And so we need practices for that. And so I teach about this. I really want highly sensitive people and empaths to know what you have are gifts, biological gifts that make you the way that you are. They have their own challenges that come with them, but there are tools and there are techniques and there are things that I've I've learned and I've shared with my patients and my clients. And you know, when you get to that place, you won't worry about whether somebody will be angry at you or upset with you um, when you do what's right, because you'll have developed this inner strength that will allow you to be like, you know, I can handle whatever they throw at me. It's still going to hurt. Uh, you know, I, I can't take that away. I can't take our high sensitivity away, nor would I want to. Honestly, the world needs highly sensitive and empathic people now more than ever. You're listening to the Uncalled Empath Show. Hey guys, we are back for another episode of the On Call Empath. Today we're going to be uh, discussing the role of spirituality, boundaries for highly sensitive people and empaths. So if you're an empath or a highly sensitive person, you definitely want to tune in to this particular episode. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things from recovery from trauma. So definitely tune in. My next guest is Dr. Picara. Vasalo. Uh, she is a doctor of acupuncture, Chinese medicine, and has been practicing for 12 years living in Manhattan. Uh, she focuses on boundaries, self-love, energy management, and limited beliefs. Uh, Dr. Picara, how are you doing today? I am great. It's so nice <laughs> to be here with you, Raj. I'm so excited. Yes. And you have a very, very good energy. Like I know the first time that I kind of talked to you before this, it was like you had a good good energy vibe and that's always good, especially with empaths and, and highly sensitive people. I can I can tell that. So that's that's a good good thing. Oh, thank you so much. I, I strive for that kind of positivity and I feel like it's so important for highly sensitive people to just constantly be surrounding themselves with positive people like you. So I'm sure that was part of it. It's just that synergy. It's been great. Yes. It's like we empaths know right away and you were diagnosed from, um, you thought you'd be on your medic on medication for the rest of your life. Um, and then you went through like a natural approach what was that like and and how traumatic was it for you with that yeah it was it was pretty traumatic because i got diagnosed the first year i went off to college and that was very stressful for me and especially as a highly sensitive person who didn't know i was highly sensitive i was living in a dorm room with three other girls and there were just there was no space and I had no idea how to ask for what I needed. I felt really overwhelmed mm -hmm. and um, it just snowballed and I just felt worse and worse. And I realized that I just hadn't learned good boundaries in my primary you know, home growing up. And next thing I know, uh, I'm swollen. I'm like sleeping all the time. Uh, I can't think well. I'm in a lot of physical pain. I'm catching all these infections very easily. 
And the doctor said, you know, oh, you have this thyroid condition that runs in your family. It's probably genetic. You'll probably have it the rest of your life. And I just remember this voice in my head or maybe in my heart that just said, no, you won't. And that just started Mm -hmm. me on this whole journey of like, I need good boundaries is about figuring out what will work for me and and what won't. And I was like, just accepting this and taking medication is not going to work for me. And that was the first step of like, I need to take control of my life. I need to start uh, looking into what's causing this and see if I can find a way to heal it. And it took took seven years for me to get off medication, but I have not been on medication for over 15 years. And I really believe that my healing had a lot to do with understanding that I was a highly sensitive person, seeking seeking out alternatives like acupuncture, uh, changing my diet, changing my relationships, uh, and, uh, and just really honoring my heart and my soul and my sense of who I was and living a life that was authentically mine. Yes. I mean, I get, you know, I have a lot of people, um, coaches and and people that say the same thing, like they've been diagnosed with something that's, uh, that's pretty much, you know, to the point where they have to be on medication for the rest of their lives or that pain, but that's not, that's not the case. I mean, I went through it myself with back pain. Um, I was told like, you know, I, I, because of my age, you know, I'm going to, always have pain. I'm breaking down, but that's all like, I feel like that's just like a cop out. I didn't want to believe that I was in my thirties, late thirties, forties. Um, and I was being told all this stuff from the medical community. Um, and then I just refused to believe it. And then when I started looking into, you know, uh, my true heart and thinking to myself that I'm not going to allow this to happen, I'm going to figure out other ways. So that's when I started looking into all kinds of different modalities, spiritualities. I've had trauma coaches on here that also talk about something called TMS. Um, so there, there's so many different ways to go about it. But before um, we go further, I just want to let um, my audience know that um, obviously anything that's discussed on this podcast is only for you know educational purposes. It's not medical advice. So definitely see a qualified physician if you're having any health issues. So after you got diagnosed, when did the recovery process, what was like the first step for you to start going down the path to recovery? What did that look like for you? Yeah. So, uh, especially because of my age and this was like in the late nineties, you know, uh, I started, I just would go to bookstores actually, cause I just started to look around and go, what, what options are there for me? And I started just, um, reading and that opened up a lot of different doors. I started looking at self-help. I remember reading, um, the Celestine prophecy, um, uh-huh. you know, and, and I just started to get deeper into meditation uh, and Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And I really felt that there was a mind-body-spirit connection. So as I started to do that, I started to also understand uh, my family life. And I felt v- very lucky that I have I have two really lovely parents, but they had been subject to a lot of narcissistic abuse. And mm-hmm. I realized that that didn't help them in their boundaries or in how to, to manage relationships or their own nervous systems. Right. Um, their trauma basically was inherent in them in their, in the way that they raised me. And I I don't blame them for that at all. They, um, 
they're wonderful people and I know they're doing the best they can. But because of that, I started to realize, wow, you know, they haven't dealt with their issues and I've picked up a lot of their traits. And I started realizing that, you know, my relationships with people were really challenged because I didn't know how to speak up for myself. I was often very overwhelmed by other people's emotions and I would feel them so deeply that I would forget about myself. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, that was one of the biggest awarenesses was that the the childhood trauma of sort of not having good boundaries and not knowing who I was and feeling like I needed to please everyone else because I couldn't handle their emotional negativity, their reactions, their anger, their criticism. Um, it really caused me to stop looking at my own heart, looking at my own needs, taking care of myself. And that self-care, that lack of self-care ended up really being a big part of why I got so sick. I had no idea how to take care of myself. I was too busy trying to people please to be perfect. Um, you know, and, and felt that somehow my value was related to what I would accomplish. Um, and so that was a really big opening for me to start really truly healing was because I, you know, until that point, I didn't understand how I wasn't even taking care of myself. Yes. And what I hear over and over, I mean, there's a theme with boundaries. I mean, I've had a lot of people touch on this uh, very topic, but tell us why, you know, boundaries is so important and how it kind of coincides with your health and your, and your whole, whole outlook on life. Why is it so important? Yeah. I mean, most simply boundaries are just about knowing what you will accept and what you won't accept. And when you think about it that way, I mean, this boundaries influence every decision that you make. And if you don't know who you are and you can't listen to your own heart, mm-hmm. then you're not going to take care of yourself appropriately. And you're going to you know, end up sacrificing what you really need to be healthy. So I think self-care in our culture is a little bit misunderstood as like, oh, it's like, I'm going to have bubble bath or I'm going to go have wine with the girls or I'm going to, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to just, you know, relax and watch Netflix. And I think real self-care is knowing, you know, how to ask for help, knowing how to connect to yourself, listen to your inner knowing, honor that and follow through with it. It's standing up for yourself. It's not accepting bad behavior. Um, it's knowing how to tell people what you need and what you don't, and also holding people accountable for their behaviors and their actions. You know, knowing that your worth isn't related to your accomplishments or, or perfectionism, you know, these are all actually acts of self-care. And you can see how, if you don't do those things, it's going to be really hard to be healthy. Um, my, my teacher, Thea Elijah has this great quote that I use all the time. She says, you can be you or you can be sick. And if you don't know who you are and you don't have boundaries to hold the ground for who you are, you're going to become sick. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, a lot of people, especially the highly sensitive and empaths, um, they tune in and, you know, some of them just don't have that sense of self or they have poor boundary setting. Um, And at that point, 
you know, with the trauma that they've been through um, all their lives, they, they're they not sure how to even move forward, let alone go into, um, you know, a spiritual practice, because I feel like you have to get that those steps first in check before you can move on to the spiritual part. Because I know that I went through this myself where I had poor boundaries. I didn't know who I was. And then everyone's saying, well, you know, you should like at least stand for something, believe in something. But in order to do that, what would be like the first step for somebody that's listening that that's been through trauma, they have they have hard time setting boundaries and they just don't know which direction to go because everything's chaos and they just want stuff to calm down a little bit. What would you say or recommend for that person that's listening right now? Yeah. So for me, there's a practice that I recommend and that I do. And, um, I have a lot of resources for this. So if people want to reach out to me, I'm happy to share what I have. Um, when I first started looking into spirituality, some of it was just like sit and meditate, which was really helpful in some ways. But, um, I felt like there was not this opportunity to look at the challenges and the difficulties Uh, There was a lot of spiritual bypassing, I think, in the spiritual community, which is like, oh, just focus on what feels good, but it doesn't deal with our trauma and it doesn't deal with our pain. And I found the biggest thing for me was that we can't sit with the trauma and the pain unless there's enough love to meet it. And so for me, the Sufi practices that I was taught, they were the first spiritual practices that really made a difference and allowed me to be able to look at my trauma, be with my trauma without feeling overwhelmed and completely upset and fall apart. And so the initial practice is what I call like a a heart opening practice. And it's a practice of really sitting and being with your heart, visualizing your heart as a space in your chest that receives and gives and building a, a relationship with your heart by spending time with it listening to it. And then for me, uh, connecting to something greater that can feed your heart, that you can open your heart to. Because if you've been traumatized, opening your heart to other people can sound like the scariest and worst idea ever. But once we realize we can receive love from the universe around us, that there's infinite energy around us, Uh, for us to receive love from. And we start this practice of receiving love, especially in through the back of our hearts, filling up our bodies and having that love really nourish us deeply. It builds this deeper relationship with trusting the universe. It builds a, a greater sense of love within us that doesn't need to be achieved or reached from other people. And once that love starts to build up, I find that we're able to start looking at our trauma in a new way, but also there's greater peace in our bodies. Your nervous system calms down. And once you learn how to tap in, you can do everything from that place in your heart. So you could do your dishes while you're feeling yourself receiving that love in your heart. You can wait in line at the store and tap in. This is something you can do not just when you're in sitting in meditation, not just while you're doing yoga. You know, there's lots of ways to tap in, but I found that these practices have been the most successful for me and for my patients and that their bodies have started to heal even just from doing these exercises. Yes. And one thing I do want to point out to, to anyone that's listening out there, I mean, spiritual spirituality is not something that you can just, you know, we think that you could just sit and meditate and, you know, go into Zen mode. But you're saying that, 
you know, taking that time and focusing on that moment, whether you're doing dishes, going for a walk, or just really in tune with yourself, that also counts as, you know, spirituality. Is that, would that be correct? Yeah, I, I think that spirituality is just an acknowledgement that we uh, don't exist in a vacuum, that uh, we have multiple layers to ourselves and that we're connected inherently to everything. And I think spirituality is coming home to this idea that there is energy everywhere that we can tap into that flows through you, me, through nature. And that really it's about having that connection, not just, you know, with the tangible world, but really feeling for, uh, the existence of love, the existence of light, the existence of, um, compassion, mercy, and, and tapping into that it's, it's available. Energy is available to us at all times. So spirituality doesn't have to be attached to an idea of God, you know, um, it's everything. And, uh, I find that this is just the first step in finding that connection for yourself and what it looks like for you. So just to kind of change gears here, uh, I'm going to give you a scenario. Like, let's say somebody has tried that, um, and they've been through trauma, like, just all their lives and they're very skeptical. And when someone mentions spirituality, they roll their eyes and like, well, I tried that. Nothing happened. Having that closed mind and not accepting it. Um, how do you get somebody to, I guess for the first step to kind of try it from very a basic novice level to obviously, hopefully I know that you've you're very in tune with yourself, but how do you just start like, just for just like the average person that's kind of a skeptic, what would you tell them what, just to kind of um, nudge towards so they can kind of see that it, that it is helpful, like in your overall life to have some sort of belief or s- spiritual sense? Yeah, I'm, I'm very much of the belief that people come to, to spirituality when it's the right time for them. And I have told people, if this doesn't resonate with you right now, you know, that's, that's fine. Um, but if you, if you want to be open to this and you want to try it, I can teach you, um, what has helped me and helped a lot of other people. And I think that people who said, Oh, I've tried spirituality. It didn't work for me. I'm usually curious. Did you have a guide and a teacher? Did you Uh read a book about it and then try and do it on your own? Because for me, I tried many different spiritual paths until I found Sufism, right? I started on this path when I was 18. Uh, I didn't find Sufism until several years ago. Uh, I'm I'm over 40 now. So um, I tell people, look, if if you're really resistant to it, then this isn't the right time. And and there are so many other, you know, treatments for trauma that, that you can pursue. But if you if you are curious about this, you know, come with an open mind, but work with a teacher, whether that's me or someone else work with someone who has, um, you know, a history of working with highly sensitive people or empathic people. And, um, and you know, you have to give it a fair shot. Uh, you can't, you, you can't really like say that you're trusting the process and turning your nose up at, at, at the same time. So if you're not ready to, to be open to giving this a chance, do something else. And I have no problem referring people to other places. Um, but if you, if you want to do this, open up to the idea that, you know, it doesn't have to be woo woo. Um, right. I think, I, That's yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think Dr. Joe Dispenza is a great resource that I've sent a lot of people mm-hmm. to because he really breaks down the science behind 
you know, why meditation works, why tapping into your body works. Uh, he's doing real scientific research that appeals to a lot of my really scientific minded patients. Um, and I'm grateful he's doing that work because it's showing that our mind has a huge impact on how our body heals. And so, um, so I'll refer people to, to read his books, to look at his videos, um, and then say, look, if you need a guide in this process, like I'm happy to be that person for you, but you have to be ready for that. And, and I have no interest in pressuring people because I, right. <laughs> there's lots of, lots of different paths up the mountain, as they say. And if this resonates and you feel a draw to it, then great. That's how I got there. Nobody, nobody pushed me into it. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, definitely you want to look out for like the charlatans and the people that claim, you know, that they're spiritual gurus. And I mean, there's all that too. And and sometimes that could leave a bad taste in your mouth, uh, like teachers and, and things like that all over the internet. But then when you find someone genuine and it, and it, and you really resonate with them, definitely look more into it. Cause I, I wanted to ask you, um, on your experience with the re reincarnated, uh, Tibetan, uh, Lama that you lived with. Can you tell us what you learned from, for, uh, with that week when he, he taught you what true compassion is all about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to say to your point, you know, there are, there are a lot of people out there who are charlatans, unfortunately. So, um, always trust your intuition, uh, never do something because someone else tells you to do it. I'm very mm -hmm. clear with everyone I work with, try things on if they, if, if you're willing to, it's like, but don't ever do it just because I said to, and I, I personally don't trust any teachers that they <laughs> have to do it their way. You know, it, you, you always have free will. Um, and anyone who's trying to push you otherwise, you know, don't let them do that. That's a boundary. Right. And so hold that for yourself. Yeah. I know for firsthand I had one lady she said I can help you if you send me wire the money like right now it was when I got back from San Diego she's like I'm, I have some crystals that that are waiting I have to order them but you have to send you have to wire me this money I was just like in such a bad place I was just like no this doesn't sound right so yeah that what you're saying is very true always go with your gut and if your gut will not lead you in the wrong place yeah. And, and also know that like only you can do the work. So anyone else who says I'll do it for you or like, Oh, when I do this thing with my crystals, everything will be better. <laughs> no, like, no. And honestly, if they, if they do that kind of magic, I would be a little bit nervous if it works yeah. <laughs> um, about what is going on there. So, so, you know, you always have to do the work. A teacher should be a guide, mm -hmm. someone who will poke you in, in certain ways and ask you questions that are really going to make you stop and be more introspective. And, and ideally my, my job, as I see it as a spiritual, you know, teacher is to help you to connect with something greater and, uh, and, and that's it. And like, and help you in that process. But, um, to talk about this, uh, the Lama. Yeah. So, uh, there was, Lama Paulden. Basically, I, I met this Lama by this crazy story. I was in acupuncture school, sitting there eating my lunch, and a fellow student was saying, I have this reincarnated Tibetan Lama. They fled Tibet on foot, you know, uh, and they live now in the United States, and they've been ordained by the Dalai Lama to do healings. And um, this Lama was coming to New York and going to do healings. I found out later on some big time celebrities actually. And my friend said, I need a place for him to stay. And I said, well, where's he going to be working? And she said, 49th and 8th. And I just 
I live, I live at 49th and 8th. And she just looked at me and I said, I actually happen to have a spare room. Mm. So um, he ended up staying with me while he was in town doing these healings. And it was, it was really incredible. Um, You know, he was there praying and meditating. The whole vibe of the apartment felt different when he was there. It was really palpable. And um, he taught me a number of things about real compassion. And one of the things I love is there's a story, we were in a cab. And we were headed to dinner and the cab driver was really rude and like almost hit someone, which I hate to say is not that uncommon in New York. Um, and the llama got angry and actually was like, you don't do that. Like you're, you know, you're being disrespectful of people's lives. Like this isn't okay. And he was so passionate about it. And I think up into that point, I really thought, you know, oh, llamas have to be kind and all the time. And they have to, right. They have to like control their emotions or their feelings Mm -hmm. and like, And here he was being like, hey, this is so not okay. Like, you can't do this. You don't treat people that way. And I I realized, like, that that's actually true compassion. That, you know, calling people out and holding people accountable, having boundaries, hey, this isn't okay, Mm -hmm. is is actually the most compassionate thing for ourselves, but also for other people. That we have to know what we stand for and and that holding that without judgment, you know, what he didn't say was, you're a jerk, you know, he didn't criticize him, call him names. He wasn't, no, he just said this behavior, it's not okay. You don't do this. This is not how we treat people. And that was really eye opening for me. And it, it made me realize like, wow, I, I've let people walk all over me. I've had no boundaries because I had this, again, this spiritual idea that somehow, uh, by being spiritual, I had to be above all of that. And I just had to accept people were right and a lot of spiritual bypass like ignore that no no and spiritual people don't get angry um so it was a really enlightening for me this was in my i guess mid-20s um something like that and and uh yeah it it lives with me you know still uh very strongly when i think about my boundaries i think like what would the llama do you know the llama would call it out and and i think there's a big difference between being judgmental of people and being discerning and saying, hey, you know, I'm not going to judge you as a human. You do what you do. But I'm telling you that behavior is not going to work for me, and I'm not going to stick around for it. Yeah. It's almost like he's honoring himself. Um, but we think just from the media that, you know, somebody that's a llama or into spirituality, they, they, they don't express themselves. They're very passive, and they keep their emotions to themselves because they can control it. But that's obviously... Um, it seems like it's a myth after what you just explained to us. Yeah. And, you know, I've spoken to some other people who, especially Buddhists, because that was a big part of my practice before I got into Sufism. Uh-huh. Um, I had some friends that lived in Buddhist monasteries and they they had similar stories of the monks having very strong emotional experiences. And when asked about it, they said, you know, I'm being in the present moment. Being in the present moment means you feel what you feel and you allow it to move through you and you don't put judgment on it um, in terms of like criticizing yourself or being hard on yourself, but you allow it to move and you remember that like this is temporary and this is just part of being alive and not making stories out of it, not making judgments out of it. That's really, I think, the big gift about um, Buddhist practices is being able to just to be with what is and, and allowing it to move. So just wrapping up here, I just wanted to ask you, like, I know that you work with empaths and highly sensitive people what are some of the most common issues that that you've come across 
that you've helped um, some of your clients with, and and what what are they uh, basically? What are, and what were the solutions for it? Yeah, I, I would say the number one issue is something around I can't tell my energy from other people's energy. Um, and the other one that sort of goes with this is like, well, uh, I'm worried if I do what's right for me that other people are going to be mad at me or call me selfish or have a an outburst or something that mm. I can't handle. Mm-hmm. And um, so this first step I told you about, about going into your heart, I feel like that exercise has been so instrumental in helping people to understand their own energy. If, if you don't have time, you know, to to be with yourself and really start to know who you are and how your body works as a highly sensitive person, you are going to get overwhelmed because we, we process information very deeply. We tend to have a very easily triggered nervous system. We tend to be very empathic and we notice a lot of subtleties and we can get so wrapped up in the outside world. And then we're feeling all this stuff and we haven't had enough time to go, Oh, I know that generally this is how I feel and that these feelings must be somebody else's. Right. And so we need practices for that. And so I teach about this. It, I'd love to say that there's one simple tip, you know, <laughs> and trick that would fix it. Right. Um, but I would say it's a series of, of techniques and tools that I've learned. And I, I really want highly sensitive people and empaths to know what you have are gifts, biological gifts that make you the way that you are. And they have their own challenges that come with them, but there are tools and there are techniques and there are things that I've, I've learned and I've shared with my patients and my clients to help you to be able to get the most out of those gifts and minimize the challenges. And, you know, when you get to that place, you won't worry about whether somebody will be angry at you or upset with you um, when you do what's right, because you'll have developed this inner strength that will allow you to be like, you know, I can handle whatever they throw at me. It's still going to hurt. Uh, you know, I, I can't take that away. I can't take our high sensitivity away, nor would I want to, but I do want to give you the resilience and the ability to stand in your power because honestly, the world needs highly sensitive and empathic people now more than ever. We are skilled in ways that most people aren't. And I feel like we're at a point where we need more compassion and empathy in the world. And that's something we can bring, but we have to be strong enough and we have to be able to move through our trauma enough that we can share with people the gifts that we really have. Beautifully said. And there's no shame. Anyone that's listening, if you're an empath, highly sensitive person, it is a gift and you can do a lot of good with it. Just like, you know, Dr. Picara here and you're basically helping so many people and you're living your passion after everything you've been through. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you being on this podcast. You're always welcome back. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. And, um, you're just such a wonderful host Raj and you have such a great spirit and uh, I enjoy every time we speak. So I would love to come back and share even more and hear more from you. I definitely will keep that in mind. And uh, before we take off, can you just tell us where we can find you also on uh, social media? Yeah. So um, you can find me on Facebook. I have a group. It's uh, Healing for Highly Sensitive People with Dr. Pakara. And uh, I also have a website, healingforempaths.com. If you go there, I've got some free resources. I've got a free five-day boundary challenge. Um, I've also been doing a, a webinar on boundaries to find out more. I'm also on Instagram, Dr. Pakara. Um, and I love getting questions from people. So please reach out if you have questions for me. Um, I, 
I just love helping people and I love seeing highly sensitive people thrive. So I'm very passionate (laughs) about it. (laughs) Yes. And I can contest to that. Uh, So you guys check her out. She's very good at what she does. So with that said, um, if you know of anybody that might benefit from this episode, please share it um, and also rate it. Let me know how I'm doing. I have a, a lot more guests coming up in the next couple uh, weeks, so definitely stay tuned. And remember, you guys are never alone. So with that said, we are out. You're listening to the On Call Impact.